Welcome to the 13th episode of the Facilitator M podcast. My name is Jim Rice, and I'll be your host today. This podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance to GP missionaries in phase four and five fields. Today, we're privileged to have Adam with us. Adam is part of the team ministering in the Dearborn Project. Welcome, Adam. It's great to have you here with us today. Uh, uh, We appreciate you joining us on the Facilitator M podcast. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate the the chance to be able to to meet with you guys. We're excited to hear about the ministry there in Dearborn. Could you uh, could you give us a, a little background and tell us what's going on there? Yeah, back in 2017, the Lord uh, kind of laid on our hearts this uh, opportunity to to reach uh, a seemingly difficult population to reach. Uh, interestingly enough, we uh, we found out that you know in Dearborn there's a, a really large Arab population that has immigrated over throughout the years, and and knowing just just the way that the the missions has worked in the past, it's becoming more and more difficult to reach some of those places and people. And more importantly, that we've also seen that, uh, that God has brought the mission to the United States. And so we're, we're able to, within the United States, connect more and more with people that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And so uh, it was just a, a great opportunity then to, to bring in the North American church uh, to the front lines of, of reaching the unreached. And do you know why Dearborn became the, the center of uh, uh, the Muslim immigration to the U.S.? Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, Henry Ford, when he first started Ford Dynasty, so, so he was born and raised in this area and started Ford Motor Company from, from Dearborn. And uh, when he was opening up that, his first plants and, and kind of starting this dynasty, he made it very... Uh, advantageous for uh, for Arab immigrants to to move over and to work here. A part of that was because they were super hungry to work. They really were excited to to jump in, would work long hours and and uh, put in the time. But but Henry Ford also was uh, not quite fond of Jews, and so he made it quite advantageous for for Arabs to move here just to kind of at that time to to keep Jewish people away from from the area. Uh, and so that's kind of an odd part of Dearborn's history, but that's what really started it back in the turn of the century with, with Arabs moving over. Then throughout the years, there was different shifts that have happened and immigration um, shifts that have happened over the years that that uh, it just kind of grown into, we're now over around 60% or so of our population have uh, Arab roots. And, uh, and so it's, you know, I have a city of a hundred thousand people that's you know 60,000 people can trace back their roots to uh to the middle east wow and for you guys as you moved into this area and this ministry how were you accepted by the community yeah that i think that that's a a great question uh, we we served overseas for several years and one of the things that we were kind of expecting when we moved here was to be welcomed in the same way that we were welcomed in overseas. Uh, it, it, when we when we moved to, to Eastern Europe, it felt like we were coming into someone else's home and they were welcoming us in and, and were a little intrigued to connect with us and, and to learn English. I think when we moved here, it became a little bit of a staring contest because in some capacities, we were the host and they were the guests, but we were moving into their city where they were the host and we were the guests. 
And I think for a while, there was a little bit of a staring contest to figure out how do we connect with people and not just in ways that like, okay, of course, we can set up English classes, we can connect in, in different ways to bless the community, but to be welcomed in to feel a part of it. I feel like that was the, the challenge. Uh, the other piece to that that was really interesting was that in our city, uh, we were kind of the minority. And so we found that even though a lot of our refugee and immigrant friends were um, pretty new to the country, they had a built-in network of people like them that they were able to connect with. And so that made it interesting. We would go to the playground and then we felt like, how do we kind of break in to the subculture here in Dearborn? Or we drop our kids off at school and how do we kind of jump into that? And to be honest, it just took a lot of time for us to keep showing up and being in those places and to have that overlap where over time it just felt like we were, we were kind of worked into kind of the, the thread of the community. And looking back uh, from 2017 till now, uh, how would you say that's worked out? How, how have you been able to integrate yourself? Yeah, I mean, in lots of different ways. So, so th like I said, through, I mean, just kids are, are this great equalizer. And so sure. having, we have four kids, uh, having two that are in local school, you know, it, it's just been a, an amazing piece there just to be able to be present in the school. Um, would you would you say that you've been successful the, at, at the integration? Are you accepted in the community? Do you feel uh, that you have the ability to make inroads and develop relationships? Yes, I think we have been. I, I think it it varies from family to family. It varies depending on the relationship. So for some of our friends, we've been accepted in, and a lot of it's because of what we've been able to do for them. Other families and friends, we've been accepting them for what they've been able to, to show us and provide for us. And so, you know, we've tried to find some mutuality. Now, there's always those outliers that are kind of like, not my people, not my tribe, not my group. And and so we, we've realized that as great as we think we are, not everyone thinks we are. And, uh, and so, but yeah, I think overall, we've been accepted in well. What's been the hardest part for you personally, uh, of making that transition from working in a foreign setting and in another culture to working within a U.S. context and still in another culture. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the 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 craziest thing. We live in a third culture. This is not the Middle East, and it's also not the Midwest, uh, the typical Midwest of the United States. And so, for us, we we've realized that. We, we can learn about the people group that we work with. But at the end of the day, there are so many variables to the people that we're connecting with. How long have they lived here? Were they born here? How many generations have their family been here? What did they uh, do before they came here? It, it, there's so many variables that helped us under, that have helped us understand that we, we live in a third culture. And, and so to treat the, this people group as one is actually very, very difficult. Our kids' friends, you know, they, they're, they're, they've been here for generations. They, th they speak with thick Detroit accents. You know, they're worried about who the Pistons are going to draft or, you know, who the Lions are going to draft next week. It, it, it's, it's amazing. 
Um, but then across the street, we have a family that just arrived in the United States a year ago. They speak no English. Um, they're just trying to get life set up here in, in the Midwest. And so I, I think the, the biggest challenge is trying to figure out um, with whom are we working and with whom are we speaking? And, and, and that's been a, a tricky thing. It would be easier if it was all just one, you know, they're all pretty much the same or you can all just jump in and do that, but they're not. And, and people aren't that way. We have to, to really kind of dig down to, to other layers. I don't know if this is a, a good question or not, but do you find it easier to make relationship inroads with newer first generation immigrants or with those people who have uh, assimilated into the U.S. culture like those third and fourth generation people you just talked about? So that's a that's multi-layered. It, it is easier to connect with people who have newly arrived because I think there is a lot more uh, openness to connect with people. There's probably a little bit more uh, how we can help and bless and, and, and help integrate them into new school systems, things like that. Uh, the, the challenging piece of that is that typically the language piece is not as, is not as great. So they're just learning English um, uh, and, and are just trying to, to communicate. And so that's been a, a challenge. Then you have other people who, groups who have been here for, for generations um, and of course, they're, they have the same interests as we do, the same interests as our kids. Uh, there's also less need. And, and so trying to, trying to figure out how do we befriend and connect with people uh, in a lot of ways, because the way family structures uh, are, are, are here in Dearborn, um, a lot of those kind of social needs have already been met. And so that it, it's trickier to figure out how do you connect with people in that that sense. In, in those connections, Adam, is it, do you find that it's important to the people that you're reaching out to for them to feel like, and probably go past feel like, to understand that you're actually looking for real relationship and you're not just trying to get a, um, when they realize who you are, not just trying to get a conversion? Yeah, 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 totally. I, I mean, we, we learned even when we lived overseas that people, uh, typically from more Eastern cultures, they, they don't care, you know, about what you say as much as who you are that's saying it. And so relationship is a, a really key ingredient to communication. Um, and so one of our, our core values here in, in Dearborn is we share our faith boldly, but we keep showing up with people. And we want to make sure that they realize, our friends realize that we are going to be there with them and for them in the midst of everything. And I think that's been a, a really key piece is even as we've we brought new interns in and teammates in, we've been able to, uh, to just really drill down, keep showing up, be faithful in the relationships that you're building, be patient uh, as you see those relationships develop, look for ways that God is moving and working, let's celebrate those things. But this is not a microwave, this is a slow cooker. And that's okay, it's okay because you know, we believe that that will be a longer lasting uh, change in our culture here is if it's, if we, if we are patient and we look for those ways to sell, we look for ways guys move, but we're patient and we keep showing up. What about an initial contact with folks? Do, do they know that you, uh, from the beginning, do they know that you are in some form of ministry or is that a secondary thing that comes along down the road once they get to know you? 
uh, what, how, how do you present yourself? I guess would be the question. Yeah. So we realized that uh, a lot of the terms that we might use within the church uh, have different definitions or connotations to different people groups. So we, we don't get so much hung up on the terminology because we know if we say missionary, that's going to come with a different you know definition, shared word, different definition. Um, we are very, we are very like upfront and vocal about our faith because that's who we are, you know, and, and I'm from, uh, I'm from North Carolina originally, and I love you know, University of North Carolina Tar Heels, right? So I don't, it doesn't take very long for me to talk about the Tar Heels because I love talking about the Tar Heels. Same with Jesus, right? It's not very long before we talk about Jesus. Uh, however, some of the, the structures I think that, that we talk about when we talk about missions, missionary, church planting, they have different connotations to people. And so we present ourselves very boldly in, in who we are. Uh, but and, and, you know, a lot of the, the work that we do here, we teach English classes, citizenship classes, GED classes, all of those are done through Christian organizations, even sometimes churches. Uh, so that's, that's not really a, a secret. Um, but as far as, as, as wanting to share our faith, we would much rather focus in on, on discipleship and evangelism at a personal level rather than, than in that corporate terminology. Uh, since and so I think that's been a, a shift even in North America. Like we don't have to worry about getting kicked out. We don't have to worry about visas. Um, we don't have to worry about our safety. It's more of what do we want to share? Do we want to share the structure or do we want to share Jesus and allow the structure to build up off of that? Wow, uh, that that's a pretty good message probably for uh, everybody that could ever hear this. Is uh, and if you look at 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 scripture, that's basically what Jesus did. It wasn't yeah. the structure. He let the structure take care of itself because the structure, I think, maybe it's going to change depending yeah. on where you are and when you are, yeah. but the message never changes. Uh, so that's, that's great. If you were to be able to speak to a, a group of, uh, of Christian workers who are in a different culture from, from where, the, where they originated, but we're not North American uh, or to the church in an area, not in North America, but also working with migrants or immigrants or refugees, uh, people from a different culture. What would you say just from your, and I know it's your experience is going to be different from theirs, uh, but what would you say to them or a couple of, of the big points to look at? as they start dealing with a different culture that is uh, dispersed from their home country. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what we are learning here is take time to, to be a learner and to ask good questions, to recognize that, uh, that I have a lens from which I see things and that those I'm, I'm encountering and working with, they have a lens from which they see things. And that we're all kind of put into the same, as I said before, this third culture to say, okay, how do we all fit together? And I think that's been the, the biggest key. I don't want to push uh, an agenda from my lens. And I don't want to push an agenda from someone else's lens. And I also don't want to just look at this culture that we live in now. But how do we all, all as pieces and parts fit together? Um, for, for those who are working 
in a third culture with another group, um, I think, you know, allowing, uh, allowing ourselves to, to be learners, the people that we're working with, the person that I'm interacting with. And, and it's not enough to just make an assumption of, of um, I know this about your people group, therefore I know you. It's taking the opportunity to say, tell me about you, you know, and, and tell me about what you've lost. Tell me about what you're missing from your home. Tell me about what uh, you long for for your children, because it may look different than the next person you talk to. And I think that is a wide open opportunity to be able to focus in on you or focus in on an individual uh, rather than just a people group um, or a religion. If you had to pick one thing that you guys have done since you've been there that has been a key to integrating into that third culture that you're talking about, uh, and I'm talking about one of the structured things that you've decided here, this is going to be part of what we do. Uh, what one thing, if you can, and may not be a good question. I mean, there may not be one key thing, but if, is there one key thing that has, has helped you with this? Is it teaching English? Is it uh, acts of kindness? Is it inviting people into your house and going to theirs? Uh, is there any one of those are any one of those the key? So, so I could answer that question for us in our, our specific field, but I think yes. the, I, I think just to draw back from that for a second, okay. I think probably the, the most important thing is to uh, to make observations about the community you live in. So how can I bless my community? Because it may look different outside of Dearborn. Dearborn is a very unique city that has lots of different pieces and parts to it that are not the same in Indianapolis or San Diego or, you know, Tallahassee. Okay. It's all going to look a little different. So in my immediate neighborhood or network, I'm looking at what are ways that I can be a blessing to those that I'm interacting with. For some that could be ESL for some, uh, you know, maybe you're near a college campus and there's a large diaspora population, maybe they're there because their families are studying or because they're working at the university or hospital, where it might be, their needs might be different. Maybe their needs are social. Maybe their needs are wanting to teach rather than learn. Uh, and so I think it's a matter of finding what are those ways. For us in our community, um, English has been a very important piece. I think that empowers uh, our refugee and immigrant friends to feel like they can contribute to society. It's easy to say, you've been here X number of months or years, why don't you speak English? But if we as the church are not doing things to actually equip and prepare them to do so, it will always kind of cycle back into their, their heart language. Um, I think the other piece too that we found is that kids, uh, it's easy for adults to say no to stuff, but most of the time people will say yes to kids. So how can we, if you can imagine some of our refugee friends, they're moving into new school systems, new ways of learning altogether. Uh, it may not feel like they're equipped to, to lead their kids through that. So how, you know, how can we help our, our kids in our neighborhood and our community um, learn well, you know, help them with homework, sit and read to them, uh, ways that we can 
can can bless kids have been a, another great opportunity to uh, to show love and kindness in our community. That's good. I, I really like that, and it that really goes back to more than just uh, working in a third or second culture in your own culture, uh, looking and observing what's going on around and what are the needs instead of a one size fits all approach. Uh, and that goes back again to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, his, his approach is always custom made for that moment. Yeah. And I think that's what we found Jim is like, you know, if, if we've learned anything from this, this process so far is that the, you cannot be cookie cutter when it comes to people. And so we've learned from our time here that, again, we can't treat this as is the Middle East. It's not. We can't treat it as we're planting a church in Southeast Michigan in the suburbs of Detroit. It's not. It's something different. Um, and what we're doing here you cannot necessarily replicate somewhere else. The key is who, who is in my circle of influence? Who is, who is in the grocery store who, who may not have, you know, a, a community around them? What are ways that we as a church can be a blessing? We can share the love of God. We can share the love of Jesus and we can keep showing up in their lives regardless of, of their interests or their decision and, and really be a, a community for people who might be longing for that. Speaking of community and support, it's my understanding that you work closely with a, a church and with the district. Uh, can you kind of explain to us how, how that works? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing because we've been able to, to see a partnership grow between Global Partners and the Great Lakes region of the Westland Church and Mosaic Midtown, which is a, a fairly new church plant in, in Midtown Detroit. Uh, and so what we've been able to see is, is, is these three different you know, organizations coming together uh, to reach this, this, this people group. It, it, it's really been uh, amazing because I think it's, it's challenging our denomination to see what does church planting, what does evangelism, what does discipleship look like outside of, of norms. And, and I love that we're poshing ourselves to see how can we get creative to, to reach different people groups where there's overlap between uh, organizations. Uh, so where we're not, we're, we're not focused again on, on maintaining the structure as much as accomplishing the mission. And what, what can we do to accomplish the mission? What are the pieces and parts that we need to do? And, and the partnership that we have between global partners and Great Lakes region and Mosaic is, is a piece in, in, in that. Let's think creatively. Let's finish this thing. Uh, let's do what we can as the, as the church to, to finish the mission. If you only had a couple of paragraphs to translate a mission, or not a mission, but a, some words of guidance, and this is going to be a real general, I don't, this is going to be a tough question, Adam. I don't know how, how this is going to go, but to the North American church, but past that, uh, to our GP uh, missionaries in, in different cultures, and then past that into those national churches in those cultures. So uh, for me, I think of uh, uh, the Ibero American church, but then the church in Asia, which is quite different, then the church in Europe, and the churches that are arising in Africa 
or, or established in Africa, but then those that are arising in the Turk Arabic world. Uh, is there is there something you can say to all those people who are going from uh, my neighbor moved here and works for a large company and got transferred to the to the U.S. to those people who got pushed out by war and have attained or coming in as refugees into different countries around the world? How do we as the church, because we are all one family and with one purpose and one mission, how do we laity those that are are in leadership and just me as an individual Christian sitting here seeing a need, how, how best, what are some of the key points, the key things that I need to know as I reach out to my neighbor uh, and as we as an organization reach out to those groups of people? Yeah, that's great. So we talk about the first step we believe is being, being a true disciple and follower of Jesus. I think as we step out of the boat, we're going to realize our faith, our faith is going to be challenged. Our, our, you know, our, what we really truly believe and follow and practice is going to be challenged in a good way. And so being a follower, being a true follower, I think checking our motivations at the door, do we really want to see people saved? Do we just want to be a, a, a one who just reaches out or do we want to see people saved? Um, the second thing, as I say, is, is, is to be prayerful. Be prayerful in the, the relationships you're going to enter into. Be prayerful about who you should connect, how you should connect, who are the people there. Because, again, uh, it, it's not enough to do this out of our own strength. God, where are you leading us? God, what do you want me to do next? And, and being prayerful from the beginning, I think, sets that relationship up well. Um, we say be a blessing to people. And so, again, asking that question is how can I serve and bless our community? That, that's going to look different. Sometimes being a blessing is receiving, not giving. Sometimes being a blessing is giving. Maybe it's a, a mutuality between the two. How can I bless you while I receive? You know, and, and I think that is, is a really key, key ingredient as well. Um, how do we share life with people here? Now, sometimes we may feel like we're pressed out. And we're not, you know, involved. Okay, that's where we keep we keep going back to keep showing up, keep being patient, be prayerful in that. Uh, but how can we be a blessing, and and how can we share share the love of Jesus Christ with people? And we do that through word and through deed. Um, it's again, it's not enough to do one or the other. We we I feel like we have to do both. Um, but then that last principle of keep showing up, keep showing up, so that people can see that we really genuinely care about them as as people. Adam, uh, in, in kind of pulling this all together at the end, uh, if, if you could just say anything that's on your mind or heart that, that would give either encouragement or guidance uh, or whatever, uh, words to those who may be listening to this. And uh, obviously this is directed at missionaries in phase four and five fields. But it, it's, it's begun to spread out past that into most of our GP uh, missionary community and possibly into, I think, a discussion like this is, would be huge for the North American church to hear um, because there's so many people that we can impact who can impact their, their – who are going to go back to where they came from at some point or at least have contact there. So just – some words to not to wrap up, but important words you think need to be said that we might not have covered so far. 
I think the biggest thing is we can see this as um, a negative or as an opportunity for us to connect um, with people from other people groups in other countries that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. That could be seen as a threat, change to our culture or, or change to our neighborhood or as an opportunity that God has ordained, that God's not surprised by, that he's not overwhelmed by. And in fact, he has put those pieces together so that, so that we could be the church um, among people that, uh, that may not connect with, with the church otherwise. Uh, I do think that whether, whether people uh, go back to their, their countries uh, and take the gospel with them, I, I don't know. I don't know what people's immigration patterns are going to be or migration patterns, but I can tell you with technology right now, we are all connected. And there are stories after stories of the things that we are doing here being communicated back to, uh, to people overseas. Uh, I have a student who was coming for an English class. And it was in the middle of winter and we had just gotten about six or seven inches of snow. And so I got there a little bit early and I took a snowblower just to kind of cover, clean off the parking lot a little bit. And as he pulled into the parking lot, he got out of the car and he was so excited. He was so grateful that I cleaned the parking lot off for him. Uh, in fact, I remember as I was walking into the building, I looked back and he was taking a picture of it. I found out later on that he had posted that picture online on Facebook. And, uh, and he showed me the post and told me what it said. It was all in Arabic. And so I had to dig him to translate for me. But he told me um, that the post was basically, hey, I'm here to learn English. Uh, and my English teacher, uh, seeing that there was a bunch of snow on the ground, took time just to clean off the parking lot so I wouldn't slip and fall or get my shoes wet. He said, you know, the Christians here, they really do love us. They care about us. They take, they take care of us. And it was amazing to see uh, just just comments come in and and people saying oh yeah that's true I've seen that before other people saying no they're just trying to trying to talk you into becoming a Christian they're just and and it was amazing to see him kind of step in and defend now why I share that because I think it's a beautiful beautiful representation of, of, of just small acts of kindness having global impact again with technology we're all connected and if I have to believe that if one person could see that instance and see that maybe Christians are loving, maybe they are kind, maybe they're willing to do things um, uh, to, to love others, that, that, that maybe someone back in the Middle East will see that, hear that, and begin to believe that, and we can begin to shift and change the, the narrative that people have been told their whole lives. That's a, that's a great story. I actually remember that picture. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I saw that picture, and I'm going... You know, it, it is amazing the things that we really don't think about being impactful for the kingdom, impactful to other people. And they just they blow up because they come. I think they come out of a heartfelt caring and other people sense that. So that's that's fantastic. And the idea that he put it up there and that there was a, a discussion afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was that that impacted more than just him. That impacted the whole community the whole community that he had connections with and who knows where it went. I, I don't the, think, yeah, I don't, I don't think we realize uh, the preconceived notions that people have as they relocate. And I think it's true. Even, even as uh, uh, missionaries from, 
from the established church going to places, we, we might know things about the places we're going. We might have an idea at least, or I've heard this, or are they going to do this there? We, we have these kind of in our minds, like this game plan of, uh, of what's going to happen there. And I think the same is true here. When people have immigrated over here, they've come with their own preconceived notions. In a lot of cases, especially if they're coming from a different religion into a very uh, kind of Christian environment, they're going to have preconceived notions about that as well. And, you know, we as the church have the opportunity to either break those stereotypes or to, to fulfill them, right? In a lot of cases, those stereotypes are negative, okay? They're, they hate you. Uh, you know, they don't like you because of your religion. They don't like you because of your race, your ethnicity. They're going to reject you. So we as the church have the opportunity to fulfill that or we can break that. And that's why, you know, I say that the opportunities that we have, the North American church, the global church in general is, which, which one are we going to represent? We had a group come through meeting with some of our ESL students. And some of our ESL students have, have newly arrived. Some have been here for, for many years. And one of our, our uh, uh, short-term teammates asked a question, how is it that some of you have been here so long, but you're just now beginning to learn English? And our, one of our students responded back, a lot of us really want to learn English, we just don't have anyone who will sit down with us and take the time to teach us, to be patient as we make mistakes, to help us through and correct us and fix it. And all of a sudden it became, maybe I am a part of that problem. So therefore, again, we have an opportunity to either be a blessing or to keep the cycle of separation and division and, and, and there. Uh, and we as a church have that choice to make. Yes. That's great. Adam, thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us today. Um, thank you for following the path that God's had for you, even though it's taken turns that you never expected, I think, uh, but for continuing to uh, be faithful and obedient to him and for loving people. Uh, that seems to be the key at the beginning to actually having uh, a love that surpasses the love we can give that comes from God. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for, uh, for all the work that, uh, that you do to, to be a part of the mission.